This podcast often contains controversial or mature topics. You have been warned. We'll be back to your regularly scheduled episode of Robots on Drugs after this very important message. I would I would kill to see that episode of that show, of an episode of that show. Right, where they have the robots acting like they're tripping balls. I know, like, it's crazy. Humans do stupid, goofy shit when they're tripping balls. Imagine what a robot would do. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. Something crazy. Well, didn't you see the episode? Was I in the episode the entire time? Are you still... Are you a robot, Chris? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my... One, zero, zero, one, zero. All right. Welcome back to Terrible Cold Opens, the show, the podcast. It was not a cold open. That was a show I watched in my dreams last night. <laughs> you, know, you tell me your dreams, and they're never something as cool as robots on drugs. They are way better than robots on drugs. They're a lot more incoherent, and it's always like, my mom said something, and I feel guilty about it. What are you talking about? And then we were in Hawaii. Chris. <laughs> That's most of your dreams. No, they're not. Yes, it is. No, you're making. You've told people too much about me. I don't like this. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to Raygun Readers, episode five. We uh, have three stories from the short sci-fi story subreddit. All of them submissions. Thank you very much. And we have a creepy pasta if we have time. So well, let's get into it. The first one is called "For the Earth, Nothing." By Jetta Mitchell, or Jada Mitchell. So thank you very much. The eight-fold Antioch robot fighter flew over... Rocket fighter. Robot fighter. (laughs) Rocket fighter flew over ancient dune fields born from the flashes of atomic explosions and no media outlet. No ID aura. No planetary elector with an eight-fold Argus as a guide commented on the Cruxator... Craft's flight over the desolation. With no broadcast of the rocket fighter's journey into the nuclear center of Odessa, the craft might as well have not existed, at least by the media-centric standards of incorporated Earth. Yet another perspective did account for the craft and its journey, though its commentary did not solely focus on the rocket fighter. The view came from the land, and the story it told was its own. The story of lowercase earth. Hmm. Okay. So we have a fighter surveying something. Lowercase earth. We're just traveling. Okay. The nearby shrunken shores of Lake Agassiz sat in fossilized layers. Nearby and right next to the edges of the Dead Sea, the intake valves of the pipes that had consumed the lake only generations ago sat silent. To the southeast, the radiated ambers of dead moines continued to glow. (laughs) Dead moines. Oh, it's like Des Moines, but yeah. <laughs> not too different. Ooh. Oh, ouch. <laughs> to the southeast, the radiated ambers of Des Moines continued to glow, and for a brief second gave the appearance of a, of a second sunrise, until the angry red sun arrived and properly dashed the illusion with its own slick, a sick brilliance. The first shadows of massive earth-moving equipment, vehir, vehir, ve, vehicular monsters... Whether treaded or clawed or craned, lengthened across the shattered landscape. Deep trenches splintered the ground and laser wire perimeters perimeters, uh, divided it further. Colonnades of flame shot upward from the whole of the earth while pipes of smokestacks and smokestacks belched thick smoke above a centrally organized cluster of buildings. The steel-barbed metropole of Odessa's nuclear center. 
A longer shadow, and darker one too, came from a nearby derrick, and the scaffolding around its base were excavated earthland mounds that rivaled natural hills, and concentric larger to smaller circles ended in an enormous hole that could have been another artificial sea. At the deepest point it was so dark, so dark there appeared no floor existed, and that was almost correct. This was test bore number six, an abandoned experiment from long ago, when the world state was young. Despite the long duration of time and the cessation of the experiment, the effects of a borehole into the planet's mantle manifested themselves as earthquakes. Ooh. Is that is that a thing? What? If you like, if you disrupted tectonic plates enough, would it cause seismic activity? Yeah, that's why they have uh, notes next to fault lines of not to disturb them. You've never seen that? Well, don't build on them, because... Well, yeah, but also don't take a jackhammer to them. What? Well, I can see not building on a fault line because of an earthquake well, erupts stress. right on when it. When you have two tectonic plates that are next to each other and they're moving, yeah, right? They're like two bodies moving next to each other. There's stress in that fault line. So yeah, you can release that stress. You oh, can't damn. accidentally hit a pressure point. It's not likely. But, but it's possible. But it's possible. Huh. Well, there you go. <clears throat> so we have some experiment that's had enormous repercussions and we don't know why it was done. Some time in the future oh oh um the rocket fighter did not look back on these works nor even time itself for the passage of history had not been kind as the last generation of models for the ambitious needs of the crusader states those useful days appeared all but vanished forever but they could still transport the children of the pagani as those forgotten terms of the fields of dawes still declaimed for all who read them followed them believed in the mission to save the children of the Americas. This act more than nuclear war and environmental degradation might stand as the most permanent feature of the crux adder occupation. For the children who survived would assemble that story, as if the experience of their adoption needed a special kind of comprehension, one that required printing on human skin. Mm. There's a lot of surreal imagery here, and yeah. I can't quite piece it together, but it flows really well. Yeah, it does. Really well. It does. Okay. I agree. The Antioch's final approach into the barbed and steel metropole of Edessa took the rocket fighter over the barracks of Pagani captives, who spilled out into the open commons as an indistinguishable overflow of bodies. Next to a long line of train tracks, more prisoners arrived, transported by iron trams offloaded for redefinition. Hmm. Nearby crusader scientists practiced the pseudosciences and separated children from mothers, husbands from wives. The elderly went in one line for immediate extermination, then fiery obliteration. The young and strong went in another line, and labored with pick and shovel. Children had different criteria, selected by indices for any visible sign of race and ethnicity. The last of these fake scientists, sciences ascertained their choices. And once, once based on the reproductive qualities of women, they disappeared into secret lab laboratories. Fear of armed force kept the captive population at bay. So too did two lines of perimeters imprison them. Laser wire and trenches served as one barrier. Mountains of soil which covered up heaps of tangled human corpses served as another. The rocket, freighter, sorry, rocket fighter finally landed in the nuclear center of Edessa. Its landing ramp folded down. A heavily armed cadre of helmeted crux adders stepped out and escorted a lone prisoner. A hood obscured their face. 
Overhead, a, a great steel cathedral shot upwards to the Christian heavens. The hooded prisoner was led towards the cathedral, across parade grounds filled with deactivated Teutonic cyborg knights and auto-trained cruxbots. Banners of red crosses flew in the radioactive wind. The sun rose overhead and shattered the dawn. No salvation lay in the rays of the new day. This prisoner would be made to suffer for the wars against these oppressors. But for the lowercase earth, there would be nothing. Huh. Prisoner would be made to suffer for the wars against these oppressors. Sorry, we are kind of taking all that in and unpacking it. So we have pseudo kind of internment camp imagery. Yeah. We as have, well as some Christian imagery. And yeah. Some it's, nuclear imagery. So this is kind of like historical and futuristic at the same time, right? Because you've got Crusades, World War II, nuclear yeah. fallout, yeah. all at the same time. It's basically kind of an imagining of what fanaticism, what totalitarianism might look in the future. Because there's no guarantee that it'll ever stop or it'll never come back. That's true. In fact, we may, you know, we constantly say how no one ever learns from history. And this is entirely possible. What if we completely forget hundred years, like two hundred years from now, the folly that were the world wars, and another one erupts, and everyone just you know, it just kind of fades into history. It actually makes me think a lot. Um, history books can only be so big, right? You can only teach people so much through the school system. You can only I, teach people so much of anything. Of yeah. course, I mean, uh, some what, of history is always lost. Yeah, and how much? What do you leave out? When you have to add new things, when years get tacked on, it's kind of a scary thought, actually. Um, well, I mean, think think of the uh, the transcontinental railroad so, mm -hmm. built in America, horrific time, like genocide all across the West, basic slavery, um, the introduction of Chinese immigrants who were put into basically you know horrible horrible working conditions, along with freed black slaves. Uh, you had you know. If people think racial tensions are high now, back then, holy shit, mm -hmm. it was bad. And history books today, they say, and then we built the railroad. Grant built it. He built the railroad. He drove a golden spike when it met, when the two, uh, when the two railroads, the Union Pacific and Central Pacific, met. That's it, despite the fact that it's a really important part of history. So this is, this is fiction, but it's plausible. I think that's pretty powerful. Um, I'm just trying to look back and unpack the yeah. beginning with respect to the end. And so there's um, there's a ship that's traveling across the nuclear wasteland. For some reason, it's an unknown ship and nobody's following it. And this ship is the one that's carrying a person at the end, yes? Or is it a different Yeah, ship? I think you're right. So why is it important that no one's following is it? Is it just a statement that there's no news coverage on this last of the important events I on think Earth? no one's following it because no one needs to follow it. There's no one there that would try to track it because the oppressors have won. Oh, okay. I well, think then, that's what that I is. I mean, that's a very simple sort of concept. It is. And that's kind of cool. It's powerful, um, though. I noticed here that she misspelled solely. I was wondering if that's on purpose. Oh, wait, maybe she didn't. Or he didn't. Where? Oh, maybe. I think I'm wrong, actually. That's probably <laughs> how you spell it. No, solely. Do you spell it with two L's? No. Oh, okay. Drink. <laughs> <laughs> okay, never mind. We have gin and tonics with mint. I'm going to call them mint and tonics. No, mint and cucumber tonic. Alcoholic salad? There's no alcohol in my drink, Chris. Yes, there is. No, there isn't. <laughs> I'm in denial. 
I told my doctor that I don't drink alcoholic beverages, therefore. Why? Because. 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 It's Friday, so we're celebrating. Yay. Yay. All right. End well, of the work week because we're boring people now. Thank you very, very much, Jetta yeah, Mitchell. Was fun. That uh, was, was fun. That was a little story. Uh, definitely feel free to submit more if you like. I, you know, I mean, th- what I like about the story is that you've got a lot of um, new words like crux bots and uh, yeah. cyborg knights and eightfold argus and but you kind of know what they're talking about at the same time so it's it invokes an image of you know a sci- sci-fi version of some historical thing yeah which is yeah. kind of fun well put together mm-hmm. good narrative all right moving on this is the story of lowercase lowercase youtube dirt. channels <laughs> a, a lowercase markiplier where he just plays video games and doesn't say anything. Wait, is lowercase... And also there's a cross in the background. <laughs> does lowercase Markiplier not have his hair dyed? Is that his thing? No, he does, but it's inverted. So on the sides <laughs> it's dyed, and in the middle it's not. <laughs> All right, this one is called Lemon Drops and Evisceration. This was given Lemon. to us by okay. Decomposed. They're not drinking either. How do you know? They're not drinking Lemon Drops. But it says lemon drops. Lemon drops is an alcoholic drink. You can order it at a bar. <laughs> hey kids, if you're ever at a bar, order a lemon drop. Actually, Take it from our me. friend makes really good lemon drop martinis. Oh yeah. If you put lemon in things, it masks the flavor of alcohol. If uh, be careful, kids. If we have her over, we should ask her to make those. Yeah. Bring over. Oh, I can buy the ingredients for her. All right, lemon drops and evisceration by decomposed. This was another submission. There looks like there's some dialogue, so yeah. I'll, I'll go first. So, oh, no. You want to go first? No, no, no. It's just like, should we alter? Yeah, we'll alternate. We'll alternate so it's and... like we're talking to each other. Because there's some short sentences in here, which makes it sort of difficult to tell if they're, you know, some sort of dramatic one-word sentences or dialogue. So we'll, we'll, we'll try and We'll alternate. work through it. <laughs> All right. Lemon drop. Same. Smid glanced from one diamond-cut jaw to the next. Acknowledging the faded white scars and emblems adorning time-stressed jackets. Must be mercenaries. Turning around, shaking his head, he grabbed two martini glasses from the fridge and started mixing. <laughs> the hell kind of merc drinks... Oh. This, is, this is a thought. Okay. The hell kind of merc drinks a frou-frou bullshit drink like a lemon drop, he thought to himself. <laughs> Sorry, I read ahead. That was funny. Hey, you're the one still making them came the drool... Oh. Hey, you're the one still making them, came the drawing voice from all around him. Smid cocked his head to the side, then nodded. Fair enough, he said aloud. Old man, you gonna hurry this shit up? We gotta be out of here by the second sun. He peered over his shoulder at the men. The speaker impatiently tapped a knife. He conjured from somewhere in his flak jacket against the bar top. Sorry, boys, be right up. A towering, seething mass of black tendrils with hundreds of glowing blue capping the stalks slid into the stool next to them. Locals called it Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Can we talk about Steve in the future of this podcast? Can we we talk about Steve? um, There is a webcomic. There is a a webcomic a lot like this called, um, oh shit, uh, Stick in the Mud that... I won't spoil it, but that reminded me of it. Awesome webcomic, and I love that. Locals called it Steve. We have some good dark humor here. I like it. The closest merc stared at Steve for a good minute before the upward curl lip of... Oh. Before the upward curl of his lip took all sensibility with it. And then he lost two sanity points. <laughs> the hell you supposed to be, octopusy, 
He enunciated the word carefully, but drowned in the long vowel. He was clearly drunk. Steve looked down at him and laughed. The sound reminiscent of two spiders fighting with legfuls of knives. <laughs> oh, this is awesome. All right, go ahead. Wait, wait, wait. Is Steve drunk? Oh, no, no. No, no, no. The Merc is drunk. Oh, okay. Because he's a Merc and Merc's drunk. Merc. I got it. No, I, I'm, I'm on board. Hey, uh, Carlo, what do you call a Merc from America? <laughs> a Merc. <laughs> <laughs> There's your joke for the week. <laughs> mine but it's stupid okay all right all right where was i um the merc pushed back the, i was about to say that <laughs> jesus christ the merc pushed back on his seat he didn't notice it quiver what you laughing at buddy you got a fucking problem his friend placed a gloved hand on his shoulder and uttered al cool it sorry <laughs> i i envision either michael jackson or prince <laughs> Gloved just beat hand. it. Just beat it, man. Well, seriously, have you ever seen the Dave Chappelle uh, true Hollywood stories about Prince? It's like the best thing ever. No. What are you talking about? Oh, my God. No, no, no. So great. All right. Drink up, Smid said, sliding glasses over to him, over to them. The pale yellow liquid sloshed gently, but didn't spill. Enough sour in there for everyone. Don't need to add any more. The one named Al huffed, spat on the floor, and grabbed his glass, draining it in one gulp. Tastes like ripe piss. Give me another. Smid let loose a hearty, belly-rumbling laugh and took, turned his back. Al's grumblings were cut short by the unearthly scream ripping through his companions. As the stool, the quote-unquote stool he'd been sitting on, blossomed into a Whoa. dozen vicious barbs impaling him and spilling steaming guts all over the floor, Smid turned around to watch the rest of the show. In his drunken haze, Al shrieked and stumbled backwards, picking himself off the ground, he backed into the wall. What a fucking amateur, Smith thought. Well, he's still alive? Well, I mean, you know. He's... Oh, oh, we're talking like little barbs. We're not talking yeah. like, okay. Yeah, not like knives. The moment Al's back touched it, two giant rotating blades burst from its surface, bisecting his body vertically from the chest down, Ooh. turning him into a flapping perversion of some octobeast or another. Now that's how you make a joke stool. Sorry, I had to say that. Okay. <laughs> no more always sunny references. No. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> Unless it's funny. That was funny. I just, I'm just bad, bad comedic, com comedic timing. I just said no more. <laughs> right. As his companion's des desiccated corpse was rained, drained. drained by the stool's hungry barbs, the skin on his face drawing taut against his skull and eyes popping into his cheekbones like peeled grapes, Al choked down. Al choked on his own blood, his stomach exploding in a burst of red. Damn. Smid nodded to Steve. The usual? Steve replied with the sound of ten school buses crashing into a ceramic store. Oh, okay, how am I going to do this? I, I can't re replicate that. Two gallons of infant blood coming up hot. Just imagine, you know, it's the sound of, like, all the Borg talking together. Oh, all at the same time? Yeah. So that was very, um... What, what did that, that just read? That was comedic Moss Eisley right there. That was uh, how bar fights are going to be in the future, and it was delightful. <laughs> I liked it. That was very funny. That well, was well done. Well, I mean, we're talking about um, sentient... <laughs> bar um, stools. <laughs> tendrils? I, I, don't, I don't even know. It's almost like um, there's creatures that resemble bar stools, and we don't even think 
of them other than Barstool is accidentally set on them. It's a uh, it's it's a fun scene. It's a fun scene. You you're giving me the. Uh... I don't. I'm, I'm slow. Give me a second. <laughs> She's giving me the hold on signal with her hand. Or cut your. So, so the stool ate him. No, it just like released its barb, so he jumped up from his seat, saying "ow, my ass" type of thing. Then he backed into a wall and got bisected. Awesome bisected word, by the way. By what? By the wall? Yeah. What? Oh, you know what? I think Steve is controlling all this. Uh, really? Steve is altering material around him because he insulted them. So Steve them. is an Eidolon. Not really an Eidolon, more of some... I don't even know what the fuck to call him. Read uh, Stick in I the Mud. I think there's more to this story than we're seeing. Cause I, think, I think that's what, what happened. What is happening? That's a bar fight in the future. I think that's all you need to read into it. Unless I'm mistaken. I think they just killed the Mercs just for fun. I think he killed the Mercs because the Mercs insulted him. Ugh, mint and tonic. But if there's a bunch of blood there, why did he order infant blood? Because he's a weird demon monster But he could have had blood from... Don't don't waste good blood. Okay, okay. What would you rather have? A freshly grown carrot or a 30-year-old carrot? That's not the point. It is the point. Why didn't he collect the blood? Maybe Steve's um, older um, tentacle okay. brother would have eaten the blood. Considering it's a merc, you don't know how many STDs are rattling around in there. You have no idea what he has. You don't think this thing has an immune system? Well, I don't know. Do you know what Steve is? Can well, you categorize who's Steve? Who's to say babies in this future don't, don't tell Steve how to eat Steve's blood, all right? It's not Steve's blood, it's infant blood. Yeah, well, it's his dish now. But who's to say that... These 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 infants aren't t- tainted with like AIDS or something or meth addiction. I don't know. How come we trust the food we eat at uh, Subway not to be poisoned? Well, here he was killed fresh in front of you. Why don't you eat the good blood? <laughs> you don't know if it's good. It's Merc blood. <laughs> Mercs go from port to port. You have no idea what they have. Okay. Well, if you catch a fish in the ocean, right? Are you just gonna assume that fish has diseases, or are you gonna serve it? No, you look. And you, what do you mean you look? You, you look at it to see if it's discolored. You have a general idea of where you are fishing. and hmm. the, This fish had, had sex with a bunch of prostitutes oh in, my God. in its fish farm. I, you know, I'm not getting into this. <laughs> this is very obvious. It's not that obvious. It is obvious. Oh, and he, he's, he's, a, he's a homicidal fish. Clearly, he has a whole bunch of diseases. <sighs> Moving on. Thank you very much, Decompose. That was very fun. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we, got, we got some really good humor out of that. I appreciate no, it. Stop. stop. You're ruining it. Moving right along. We, we have some short ones today. I have but... some more questions about fish versus mercenaries, but <sighs> I'll ask them to you at a later time. That, is that the new uh, game? The new uh, exciting card game, Fish versus Mercenaries? <laughs> oh, these are all short stories. Jeez. Write more. <laughs> Do not insult our authors. <laughs> The people kind enough to write this stuff and thank submit it. Thank you. Not for us specifically, but you guys do submit it, and I really like Wait, it. Okay. All right, this one is by Lord Bronte. Awesome name, by the way. It's titled, You Can't Make a Good Snowball on Tau Ceti 2. It's, I, I imagine it's probably true if he's writing um, an argument, a claim data warrant about it. Don't bring high school literature stop, terms into here. <laughs> stop telling me what I can and can't bring Stop telling this. Steve what he can and can't drink. No. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you Steve start? needs boundaries, okay? <laughs> you can't cage Steve. He's a bird tentacle He's, he's thing. a tentacle monster. He's a tendril. 
Okay. He's a Pokemon. Vicious homicidal Pokemon. <laughs> you, you were stuck on Steve, you know that? <laughs> I am. Steve interests me. <laughs> okay. You can't make a good snowball on Tau Ceti 2. The constant below zero temperature on the surface and extreme low humidity result in a fine frozen power powder. Uh, perfect for skiing if you didn't mind the 12 light year journey. Well, I mean, those black diamonds, man. That fresh powder. Worth. Worth. Yeah. Maxine surveyed her work. She'd cleared most of the snow from the crash site. Soon the wind would bury it again. But this had become a ritual. Her way of making sure that Milo wasn't forgotten. Aww. Decades had passed, yet he was perfectly preserved by the planet's frosty air, trapped forever in the wreck of the surveyor. We just... It's a roller coaster of emotions right now. Yeah, we're, we're reading a lot of dark stuff. <laughs> okay. Maxine trudged back to the outpost and cycled the airlock. After removing her exposure suit, she checked what was left of the communications console. Roughly eight years ago, time had largely lost meaning to her. Maxine had smashed much of the outpost's equipment in a bout of loneliness and rage. Only the nuclear generator and organic recycler remained unscathed. Radio communications couldn't leave the surface due to the planet's extreme magnetic fields. So Maxine and Milo had used flares. Upon reaching space, these single-use rockets would broadcast a programmed message. The precious data traveled the 12-light-year journey to Earth by line of sight. Upon receiving a reply, it tumbled back into the atmosphere. Despite the damage she'd done to the comm console, Maxine still knew the right series of buttons to play the audio of incoming messages. There was nothing. It was pointless. The mission had died. As, sur as surely as Milo had, when a disruption in the planet's magnetosphere fried the surveyor's guidance systems. Maxine couldn't even remember when she had last sent a flare. The year Milo died in a crash? Years later? She had no frame of reference anymore. In, in her darkest moments, Maxine would wonder why no evac had come. Perhaps Earth was no more. Maybe she was the only human left in the universe. Maxine went to bed. I just remembered this wasn't a submission. I asked for permission on this one. So sorry, Lord Bronte. I don't want to put words in her mouth. All right, so Maxine went to bed. Sometimes she stayed in bed for weeks or whatever the Tau said. Tau Ceti equivalent of weeks is, rising only to mindlessly fulfill the task which kept her biologically alive. Eventually, the time came when Maxine was forced once again to excavate the crash surveyor, or risk losing it forever in the snow. Maxine cycled the airlock and prepared to step outside. This time, however, she did not wear her exposure suit. She had no intention of returning. Ooh. The door slid open. Maxine felt an agonizing slap of cold. It was nice to feel something. The door slid shut behind her, and Maxine took one final glance inside what had been her home. And she saw it. A light blinking rapidly in red on the comm console. Maxine shook from her torpor and cycled the airlock with her already numb fingers. Panting, she stumbled inside. Desperately, she entered the, mem the memorized series of commands into the console. The, screen, the cracked screen glowed to life uselessly. From the tinny speakers, an authoritative voice spoke. Earth to Tau Ceti 2. Your last communication was corrupted and did not come through. Please resend. Ooh. Oh. Damn. So every... So it took 12 years to get that message to Earth, and it wasn't even... It was corrupted. 
damn. Because she was just about to kill herself, and now she really has to think, is it worth waiting another 12 years? I'm sorry, I'm confused by something. What are you confused by? Here it says, uh, upon reaching space, the single-use rockets would broadcast a program message. The precious data traveled the long 12-light-year journey to Earth by line of sight. Upon receiving a reply, it tumbled back into the atmosphere. Right? Then she gets... But then she gets a message, and there was nothing. So why did it tumble back into the atmosphere? No, that's what they will do if they receive a message. But if they don't receive a message, what happens? They stay in orbit. But this one didn't stay in orbit. It didn't? Where do you read that? Oh, but there was no tumble back to Earth then. Yeah. So the 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 um the flare is still up there then. Yeah, it never came back down. So are we assuming that it can still send a signal through the magnetic field to her from space? I guess, yeah. From orbit? That might be a little bit of a plot mistake or well, we're missing I'm something. I'm sure it acts as an amplifier for the message, but Yeah. I don't know. Either way, uh yeah, dark. What do you do when you're stranded and you're about to lose all hope and then you get a glimmer, but it's still 12 years to wait? Yeah. And your only other that human is contact is dead. Very sci-fi. It is like, uh, you know, very Twilight Zone-esque. Yeah. Um, really sobered me let's, up. Let's end this, but this gives it a, you know, a, a little truly um, disturbing ending. A woman locked on a planet devoid of life, devoid of hope. Right behind the scary door. <laughs> Ooh. So yeah. So if you can't make a snowball, what else could you do on this planet? Ski. For fun. Could we turn it into a resort? And then Maxine wouldn't be alone. Could do. I'm sure that the the tourist industry industry would find a use for the powdery snow. Twelve light years, that's that's really far. That's really far. Yeah, which makes it an expensive cruise ship. Cruise Cruise ship. Cruise ship. Cruise space ship. I mean, I don't got much to say. Good little story. Very sobering. Leaves you thinking. That's what sci-fi should do. All right. Um, you got anything more to add? Oh, well, I thought it was really cool that um, at some point she she smashed, she smashed everything for being really angry. Because I would totally do that. Oh, I more. think anybody would. <laughs> I think at one point you just, you lose it, you know? Any any human that undergoes such isolation and being that remote from any other society is just, you know, damning. You can't do it. And being there it. specifically with a do dead body and nothing else. Oh, Does yeah. Does she talk to her friend, I, I wonder? Probably. I mean, you could really make this into a long story, but or you could make it into a short one. Maybe a really cool short film. It's still, I like the name, though. I really like the name. Tassetti? No, you can't make a good sn oh, the snowball title. on Tau City too. Yeah. Oh. Good work. Good luck. Good work, Lord Bronte. Okay, moving on. We are just piling through these. This might be a short episode. Yeah, which means we're not saying a lot of good stuff. Say more things. Mm. Hey. Hey. <coughs> oh shit. Excuse I think me. Steve's here. <laughs> Steve is my bro. Steve is my senpai. Okay. Uh, last one is the, let's see here. Last one is the creepypasta. Are we, are we really gonna make fun of creepypastas now? I'm only gonna make fun of it if it's bad. 
But what if it's what if it's not bad? If it's good, then, then we're I gonna will be, be sitting here going, "Yep." Pleasantly surprised. Well, what do we do now? <laughs> cyber entity. No wait, cyber entity. Yes, it's called cyber entity. This is from the uh, creepypasta wikia. I don't see a author or her credited, so it's anonymous as far as we can tell. All right, um, I'll start. Okay. It's a mere fact that electronics tend to distract us from the non-virtual world as we often find ourselves on fantastic adventures into cyberspace. I remember my dog once, looking for attention, sat in front of our TV just because that was the point of focus. Like my dog, there are entities that used to get much more attention before the cyber revolution. Now, these entities must evolve and find new mediums in which to contact us. I'm rather new to this whole creepy... I hate this. I, I, I don't reference creepypasta in creepypasta. And if you have to, don't say the word creepypasta. It completely takes me out. We've had this discussion before. Have we? Yeah. I don't read very much creepypasta. Well, okay, if you're reading a horror book. Because, like, the best creepypasta is the <laughs> one that sort of weasels its way into your, what, life somehow, your Facebook feed. And it's a story from a friend of a friend that's kind of half true. And none of it has the word creepypasta in it? Right, because it's not really defined as a creepypasta, right? Well, like that one story you were reading um, from the, the the post of the lady that was that went down to, uh, what was it, Florida? Hooking? No, she was oh, the escort lady. Oh, oh, oh. Now uh, that was crazy. Zola Moon. I looked it up, and a lot of it was hyperbole, but it was yeah. still really cool. It was well-written. But, yeah. um, well, but if if you read a, a regular horror book, and in it says, this is my first time writing a horror book, but bear with me, what the hell does that say? That, 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 that just takes you out of it. It takes the credibility out of the author, and it tells them that the purpose of... Yeah, this story is had had creepy pasta in mind. The point is, to, the point of a creepy pasta is to be unnerving because you can't. You it makes you suspend your disbelief for just a moment, so you forget that oh, this is fiction. That's the best creepy pasta. And if you just say this is my first time writing a fictional story, but I'm going to try to convince you of it, how can I be convinced? So sorry, pet peeve of mine. But continuing on. I'm rather new to this whole creepypasta thing, but have always known that the virtual world reflects our own, and because there are dark corners of the real world, there are there are dark realms in the cyber world as well. The dark net. The dark net. Oh, is this a dark net, deep net? I don't know. We'll see. I initially brushed off the idea of evil traveling through the cyber waves. <laughs> evil cyber wave surfing. Satan reaches through your to to you through your devil machine. Satan's right. like hang six six six, bro. <laughs> Dial my phone number. It is six 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 six. Area code six six six. There was always explanations, creepy fetishes, cynical absurdists looking for a good prank for the superstitious, plain weirdos, lost in their own fantasies, etc. I'm not going to say that I met evil online, but rather I met something. It could be a prankster. Hell, it could be an alien. Or it could really be evil. Or it could be a creepypasta. I wonder where I got that idea. I was fascinated by the stories of bizarre events surrounding creepypasta. You can read that I think, one. You can um, read that one. He's just sort of describing why he's writing this. Okay, he's trying to be meta, and I get that, but you're not writing Lost Episodes so by Slime Beast. You're not doing it. Oh my god. You read that please. I can't read it. 
I was fascinated by the stories of bizarre events surrounding creepypasta, and instead of finishing, or even starting, my sociology paper, I spent a whole Sunday afternoon sifting through articles and pictures that frankly left me shitless many a time. I even came across a video here and there. So it left him shitless, meaning he was reading these while he was pooping? I mean, I read a lot on the toilet, personally. <laughs> then I came to a video. Sadly, I didn't even notice the name. Of course you didn't. It was a webcam-like video, and the reason I didn't notice Seven the title... <laughs> the reason I didn't notice the title is because of who was in the screen. A hideous creature was manning the camera. Wait. How how are they in the screen if they're manning the camera? Mirrors? Where does it say that? What, what? Who was in the screen? A hideous creature was manning the... Oh, oh, like he has the camera pointed back at him. See that? Clarification. Selfie. Selfie from hell. Uh, go ahead. It wasn't pale, but rather white. Like powder. Void of color. It had two sunken eyes and an elongated nose that, rather than protruding from its face... Sank when I came when I came to its lipless lipless mouth. Oh, when it came or when I came because I didn't come anywhere near a lipless mouth. The creature had greasy black hair and made movements not like a human. So this sounds what Slendermanny. Uh, it's a hodgepodge, grifters with Slenderman. I don't know. Without moving its mouth, it let out a hoarse laugh. Its eyes bulged, and by far, it had been the creepiest thing I had seen that day. I quickly clicked on the next link I could find. I didn't care. The screen went white, or at least the browser did, as if it were looking, as if it were loading the link. But then it was redirected, right back to that creature's webcam. Ooh! Possessed browsers. He's running Windows Bing or uh, <laughs> Bing. <laughs> he has it in search protect. <laughs> okay, um. Its laughter became much higher, pitched and louder. I clicked the Wikipedia link, but again, it redirected back to that damned webcam. I finally quit the browser, and it was, for the time, over. Well, just say it was over, and then come back. For the back. time. And He's foreshadowing. Uh, moving on. Until it happened again. No, seriously, like, don't say that if you want to surprise us with it again. My heart raced but began to calm as I caught my breath. What was that? I continued on with my life, but every once in a while, that creature slipped back into my mind. I went back into my room, stared at my laptop, and gulped. So, basically... Wait, why would you gulp after? This is like... Um, any imagery from when you are a kid from, you know, animated movies. It just sticks with you. I proceeded to open the browser and honestly got distracted and went to Facebook. Nothing out of the ordinary. Oh, wait, except for half of my friends had this creature as their profile pic. My girlfriends included. <laughs> Everybody's turning into Marvlarks. <laughs> Continue. Stop. Stop no, heaving and keep, hawing. No, and... keep going. Me? All right, I'll finish it out. And you can just make noises. I called her and she checked her profile. Nothing was awry. I tried to rationalize this. I doubted it was a demon. What would they do with a webcam? Don't they have some creepy shit to do? I doubt it was an alien, but damn, it was really good makeup for who the and who the hell was does that much work? I knew what I had to do. 
I found that webcam and I just stared at the creature and it stared back. Its eyes were deep black, full of malice. Excuse me, I said calmly. It made a short gasp and moved backwards ever so slightly. Its eyes widened a bit, then it revealed a long black tongue. Can you leave me alone, please? I asked politely. It turned its head to the side and squinted. Well? I asked as I nervously gulped. The creature then took a deep breath and let out the most terrifying scream imaginable. No, scratch that. One cannot imagine how horrifying it... <laughs> it was. It snarled, revealing crooked, sharp, and differing-sized teeth as it screamed. I jumped in my seat and turned the volume off, and yet the scream just got louder and louder. I was afraid my neighbors would notice, so I decided to scream back. Shut up! I yelled, and there was silence. Thank you. Now, if there's something you want, I gulped, please tell me. The creature was silent. If you have nothing to say, I think I had my next word. I uh, I had to think my I had to think my next words wisely. You mean choose your next words wisely, or think about your next words? Think wisely. your next words wisely, Carla. <laughs> <laughs> Please leave me alone. You're quite terrifying. I am terrified. I'm not interested in being cursed, and quite frankly, I love my life. Yeah, he really thought out those words. Yes, it is difficult at times, but all in all, it's pretty awesome. I'd appreciate it if you'd go somewhere else now. If I need to be terrified, I know where to find you. Is, is this a The cry creature's for help? eyes widened, and it approached the camera as if it were to walk through my screen. The screen went black, and it was over. I no longer felt afraid, and time went on. Weeks later, now that the fear had subsided... I thought I'd look for that creature once more to see, with a clear mind, who the culprit was. I could not find it, however. That was the end of it, I suppose. I guess it was just a normal haunt that did just what my dog had done a few years earlier and just found attention. So creepypastas are real, and they're sentient, and they're just trying to scare us? Well... What type of weird goosebump shit is this? Well, the whole thing is he encountered a monster, right, on the internet that somehow reacted to him speaking to it. Now, you could frame that however you want. So he just, he framed it with the creepy, creepypasta mentality, something that really pissed you off. But you can honestly frame that however you want, no matter, just, just like depends on the type of superstition you would hear to. We know what, he could have used any other term, we're assuming he again, we could have used any term other than creepypasta. Scary video, scary whatever, horrifying image. <laughs> if... If, you're, sounds if like, your medium is genre, don't reference the genre in there. Well, you know what? He's looking back and reading this description. It sounds like a sheep. It has black eyes. Its face is white. It has an elongated nose and it has a black tongue. Crooked teeth. Oh, crooked teeth. Ooh. I, sounds like uh, some sort of not furry but cute animal to me. The concept isn't bad. The idea of memes becoming sentient... Yeah, but... Like, I get that, but the execution is bewildering? But the execution is poor, but over, more than... What I'm saying is the idea that um, the fallacy here is the idea that what you think it is is what it is, right? And he's even going... But he doesn't know what it is. I don't know what, know it, what is. it is, but he's saying it's a creepypasta and it's, cre and it's attacking me or it's haunting me. So he, he is still deciding what it is by saying that it's haunting him. And might even, not even be searching for him. That's my point. That's all my point is. This would have been better if I had to write this. I would have just like described 
in kind of vague, slowly building details, smile dog. And that would have been a cool way of saying it's a, you know, it's a creepypasta coming to life. Without using the word creepypasta, without describing, you know, it's smiled. It's a picture of a smiling dog. I, I don't know. They're, they're, smiling dog? What? Smile dog? It's a creepypasta. Oh. Famous one. But even like the way he introduced it, starting with his dog, it would be a lot more entertaining of a story if he just let those events spoke for themselves and talked about the day where his dog tried to get his attention, but he was too busy on his phone. And then he went to another day with... This monster tried to get his attention, but he was, and he was shocked by how capable it was of getting his attention because of its new evolutionary tools. But if, if the creepypasta is trying to be like the dog getting attention, why is it shocked when it actually gets attention? Because it's going, oh, you paid attention to me. <laughs> I, he's surprised by actually getting attention out of him. Is that a remark on saying creepypastas are fading in their scariness? No, it's just an, a remark on saying how whatever superstitious beings are trying to scare people and they don't think, I guess the author doesn't think uh, it's as easy to scare people now. Which maybe? is true. There's, there is a concept here. There is a good idea here. I don't know exactly what the fuck it is. <laughs> how it was written is very confusing to me and I just don't get it. Maybe someone else does. Actually, let's see if we got some comments here before we wrap up. First comment, 9.5. Excellent idea. Second comment, wow, just wow. Very good. 13 out of 10. White skin, black hair, big eyes, lipless mouth. Hmm, who could that be? It. Okay. The characters are becoming self-aware. The I like, characters? I like the concept, 8 out of 10. So yeah, the creepypasta characters. That's... I, were they never not self-aware? I mean... I, I think they mean coming to life. Like gaining actual oh, physical form. Oh, gaining internet um, AI or whatever. Yeah, transcending just, you know, stories. Transcending the media. Holy shiznit unicorn nards. This is pretty good. <laughs> Thank you, PewDiePie plus 10. Plus 1D. Really cool. Pretty cool concept. 6 out of 10. Yeah, my sentiments, except for it's confusing and the way it's written is odd and jarring. I don't know. Not my thing, I guess. I appreciate trying to take a meta stab at Creepypasta, but just... Yeah, I will, It's like, a pet peeve of mine when you have the word in there. Don't do that. It takes me out of it I so fast. Well, and you put it at the beginning, so the rest of the story is just painted by it. Sorry, you're probably hearing glass and ice clinkling, clinking, clinking. So there was a movie called, I think it was The Mist. Excuse me. <laughs> don't don't put that in. Okay. Um. There was a movie called The Mist. And <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty tired right now. There was a movie called The Mist, and I had one too many vodka jennies. So excuse me. Vodka Jennies. <laughs> okay. Oh, where was I? All right. There was a movie called The Mist. What was it called? It was called The Mist, actually. <laughs> what do you should ask? I was just thinking about it. Um, where um, I, I only saw it once in theaters because I was not impressed, mostly. Um, but anyways, 
the whole concept of the movie was that there was a mist that was attacking people and making them go crazy or killing them somehow. I don't remember. But throughout the entire movie, there were characters that were hinting, it's got to be the plants. The plants are trying to get back to us. Back oh, at us. And then at the end of the yeah. movie, you're like, oh my god, it's clearly the plants. Our first assumption was right the whole time. And just that is what I, I smell here, and that's just what I don't like. It's the idea that no one's wrong. I, you know, the, the, the creepy old guy, wise character knows what's going on. You better trust him. Make no opinions of your own. And the idea that um, the first assumption has to be right or that you you understand the situation even if you're putting framing it as though you don't understand the situation. Hmm. Which is just an excuse to say I understand it better than you. It's kind of lazy. Yeah, it's kind of like um, it's bad storytelling. It's superstitious. Hmm. It's it's I think it's I think it is bad storytelling, but it's more like um, I'd say bad uh, efforts at realism in storytelling. Hmm. Also, I apologize. This had absolutely nothing to do with sci-fi. I kind of just read the title. Said cyber entity. I thought maybe that would have been more sci-fi, but hey, we ended on our favorite note: bullshit. <laughs> We still read some good stories tonight. We read, you know what? Those first three were fantastic. Thank you very much to the authors, those of you that submitted, and Lord Bronte for uh, letting us read this. Thank you very much. Next week, we are probably going to tackle the Brown Dwarf Saga, a little bit of a sneak peek. It is a five-part story released, so Brown, I'm pretty... Brown Dwarf Saga? Yeah, it's called the Brown Dwarf Saga. Okay. So, yeah. Um, are we talking about stars? I don't know. We'll find out. There are stars that are called brown dwarfs, which are hard to find in space. Drink lemon drops. Bye, everybody. Bye. Shout out to Steve. <laughs>